Welcome to On the Middle East, Al Monitor's podcast on the big stories in the region. My name is Amrin Zaman, and I'm Al Monitor's chief correspondent based in London. Violence between Israel and Hamas is spiraling to new deadly heights following last night's attack on a hospital in Gaza that has killed hundreds of more civilians in the 10-day conflict. Protests against Israel are growing across the Middle East, along with fears that the conflict will draw in regional actors, notably Iran and Lebanon. I spoke to Israel's ambassador to Bahrain, Eitan Nahe, its first to the Gulf Kingdom, about the possible impact of the conflict on the Abraham Accords. A former ambassador to Turkey and Azerbaijan, the Israeli diplomat also opened Israel's first ever mission in the United Arab Emirates. So welcome to our program, Ambassador. It's very kind of you to find the time to join us today. Thank you very much, Amberine. Amid the fog of war, global public opinion appears to be tipped against Israel, despite the barbaric attack by Hamas that claimed the lives of so many civilians. We've seen this play out following last night's attack on the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza, with uh, Hamas claiming it was an Israeli airstrike, and most people, including several governments, are rushing to believe uh, that this was the case without being presented with any evidence. Critics of your government would say this is because over the years, and especially since 2006, thousands of Palestinians, including many civilians, women, children, were killed in Israeli attacks. What is your response to this ambassador? Well, uh, I promised me, I promised you that the, uh, I'll try that uh, other answers to your question will be shorter. But I think that this is a very important question, and thank you uh, for that. You mentioned uh, you went back to two thousand and six. So uh, let me remind the viewers first that the Palestinian um, PR efforts uh, refer to the result as a cause. Uh, we call it a reversal uh, consequentialism. So, uh, for instance, firing rockets or uh, at civilians or uh, massacring Israelis will cause, of course, a reaction. Nobody would stay idle, and it leads it leads to uh, uh, admittingly to to death and, of course, to people leaving their homes. That is in reverse conse- uh, consequentialism becomes the reason, and not the result of Hamas's action. And I think that uh, when we discussed Hamas and its actions in Gaza, uh, world public opinion often refuses to put the blame on on Hamas and asking them to take responsibility for their actions and to the uh, populations under their their control. And in fact, um, uh, that encourages them. Uh, The the public opinion is uh, is with them. People are quick to blame Israel without even checking the facts. We saw it last night. We presented the facts, uh, public opinion still calling for demonstrations, uh, public opinion wouldn't accept it. In fact, even some countries uh, were quick to uh, to criticize and to condemn Israel, even though Israel had nothing to do uh, with that uh, attack. And if you want me to go back to 2006, Israel left Gaza in 2006, uh, 2005. We left Gaza with 67 working factories, uh, with 10,000 uh, uh, Gazans working there. We left uh, greenhouses with the best agrotech uh, Israel had at the time. 
Shimon Peres was pledging uh, $2.5 billion of investments. And what happened to it? Fast forward to 2023, when Israel is uh, talking uh, about uh, long-term projects like the Gaza Marine, Gaz to Gaza. Uh, desalination plants are, are at work supplying today, together with natural resources, 92% of Gaza's uh, water supply. Uh, fish farms and other uh, other projects, 18,600 18, work permits, 2,000 at least of merchants that can go backwards and forwards to Israel, uh, border passing, uh, border passings, uh, terminals, all been blown out brutally, uh, destroyed by, by Hamas uh, 10 days ago. So when one shoots themselves at the leg or burn their own house and then say, oh, I cannot walk, I have nowhere to live, well, you know, uh, they have to take responsibility. And it seems that Hamas doesn't serve the interests of, of, of Gazans or the Palestinians. It's, it's working as a foreign agent for the Iranians. And um, one can support the Palestinians, but supporting the Palestinians does not automatically, should not uh, lead to supporting uh, Hamas. Critics of your government, though, would uh, counter that uh, the Palestinians were given absolutely no political horizon, that there was never really any uh, commitment to the establishment of an independent Palestinian state on your side. So this is kind of the result of the lack of that horizon, that they were left with no other choice but to remind the world of their existence as peace accords were being made with other Arab countries, that you can't have peace without addressing the Palestinian question. What would your uh, response to that be, Ambassador? I will refer to Hamas's actions in the last 30 years. Hamas doesn't want peace. Hamas was uh, always uh, increased, turned on uh, the flames uh, whenever peace uh, uh, was at the horizon. I remind you the Oslo Accords and the uh, suicide bombing campaigns of the 90s. I remind you the uh, suicide campaigns of the Second Intifada, uh, resulting in the death of uh, 1,200 Israelis, more than 1,200 Israelis in a series of uh, suicide bombings that uh, lasted for several years. We know who's behind it. We know who sent them. We know who financed them. We know where is the financial hub for all these activities. So to claim that Hamas's actions are somehow motivated by uh, the political uh, uh, course or, or the political discussions and negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians, Hamas is the one to be blamed for those uh, discussions uh, running to ground. So um, uh, that's, uh, that's for it. We, we just saw and tasted um, what Hamas wants, how Hamas operates. And what Hamas does, this, these are not the actions of people who want peace. There was no uh, political end to what they've done. It's uh, violence, sheer violence, evil, uh, horrendous acts that spiraling out of cause. There is no cause, there is no aim. Uh, it, it, it was not aimed at that. It was caused to sow uh, terror and uh, fear. And as I said, it served an Iranian uh, strategic interest to derail the Abraham Accords and the Saudi-Israeli um, uh, normalization process. Many say that the Abraham Accords were doomed to failure from the start because they never addressed the Palestinian issue, that they went over the heads of the Palestinians. Absolutely not. I think that over the years we tried all kinds of modalities and I'll be happy to go uh, through it unless time would not allow but since the uh, since 1993, the Oslo Accord, the, or even 91, the Madrid process, 
Camp David. Uh, we have we, we tried for 30 years all different kinds of approaches and modalities of uh, peacemaking. Nothing worked. And amid all that, we had, as I said before, a Hamas uh, a terror campaign, again, sent by uh, the Iranians, who had no interest in seeing peace. In fact, I think the Iranians do not think. The Iranians uh, see um, any such uh, resolution of the Palestinian conflict as a threat to their strategic interest. Uh, the attack on uh, Saturday, uh, 7th of October, was also an attack on the Abraham Accord, uh, on, uh, on the Israel-Saudi uh, interests, uh, uh, normalization efforts, and in fact, on regional security. It's way bigger than just Israel, Israel-Hamas. And, and, and we see how uh, world leaders, um, starting with President Biden, who's in Israel now, um, the British government, British Prime Minister, Foreign Minister, and others, uh, the French, the Czech, and many others, uh, Germans, uh, how they reacted. Uh, I think that people understand what's behind, what was the motive. And uh, the Abraham Accord, they were a different approach. The, the, that is uh, trying to make peace uh, through, uh, in a different way, uh, starting from the outside, moving in. Um, you mentioned that I opened uh, the embassy in, uh, in Abu Dhabi and, and, and the first ambassador here. I spent quite a bit of efforts to try to uh, include the Palestinians in, uh, in the economic piece, in, uh, in investments. But there won't be investments, and nobody in his clear mind will invest a penny in, uh, in Gaza without reading Gaza of Hamas. So I think that this is uh, the first goal now, and I'm, you know, uh, I think that the, the world uh, saw what those guys are, are capable of and understand that if we want any hope for peace, uh, Gaza should be uh, getting rid of, uh, of Hamas. And then we said that this is what we'll do, because... We want the Palestinians, and we said it, uh, we want them uh, to live in peace, uh, uh, to have uh, an economy, to have hope. Otherwise, we will not be able to, uh, to live in peace. But that is not what Hamas represents. But what about a Palestinian state? You spoke of an economy. Do, do the Palestinians deserve to have their own state? I think that the Israeli policy since, uh, in fact, uh, starting in the... 1980, uh, Oslo, uh, uh, 2009, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's statements uh, clearly stated uh, what is the Israeli uh, long-term policy. Given that, we have a reasonable, realistic uh, partner. Uh, it's okay to talk about uh, ideals and idealism, but it had to have some, uh, some roots on the ground. It has to have uh, realistic demands, demands that both sides uh, are ready to discuss and negotiate. And I think that what we always said uh, throughout the 90s, uh, the days where I was a spokesperson in, uh, in Ankara in the mid-90s, when I was ambassador to Ankara, or certainly coming here, what is peace? Peace is to allow us to live in security and prosperity. And without security and prosperity, there won't be any peace. So prosperity, we discussed before, who's for it and who's against it, and, and security as well. Uh, you cannot have both uh, together. One cannot negotiate with a gun uh, into the heads, and certainly not under these uh, horrific uh, actions. So we'll do it um, once at a time, free Gaza of Hamas, and then uh, rebuilding hope. And uh, as the President Biden said, uh, you know, um, at the right time, 
Saudi Arabia has already announced that rapprochement with Israel is on hold. So does did, are you concerned that um, as the war, war escalates, if it does, that some Arab countries may even downgrade ties? Uh, what are you hearing from your hosts in Bahrain on this score? Well, of course, we maintain a very close, uh, high-level contacts, uh, certainly me with, uh, with my host and my colleagues all over the Middle East. Uh, certainly, uh, whilst uh, we are uh, reeling from, from what we also uh, happened on, on Saturday, and whilst uh, the guns uh, and the rockets are, are falling on our heads, uh, the, one cannot... Uh, talk about uh, normalization as of now, but rest assured, uh, I think it's in the interest of both countries. It's in the economic interest of, of both countries. In the, it's in the interest of, uh, of the region. It's in the interest of the Palestinians, should they recognize uh, their interest. Uh, one thing is to have an interest and the other thing is to recognize it. And um, I think that um, Given that these events uh, will be over sometime, we can come back to, to what we were doing before and what I'm, I've been doing since I arrived to the Gulf, and that is building relationships, building bridges, and uh, building peace. Can you give us some examples of what you've done since you've arrived in Bahrain? So, <laughs> we, we tried to do a lot of things in the last uh, three years, but... Uh, Certainly things I am very proud of is um, a lot of efforts went into the economic sphere, introducing the business communities uh, to one uh, to each other, uh, discussing all kinds of um, economic projects, uh, investments, Israeli investments, bringing uh, Israeli investments and technology uh, to the Gulf, to Bahrain, from agrotech to, uh, to cyber, uh, from um, uh, health, uh, to um, anything that can really, uh, to industry, anything really that can uh, give people jobs, uh, hopes, and uh, give uh, and encourage prosperity. And we also work a lot with uh, with the young people. Uh, we send delegations to Israel. I think, uh, I know that you've been to Israel. I think that visiting Israel, uh, seeing is believing. And that those uh, Bahrainis that visited Israel came back with the different views about Israel. Uh, a lot. Uh, there is a lot to do in the field of education, of uh, perceptions, of uh, lowering the barriers, the psychological barriers, uh, to get people uh, realize and understand that what they've been hearing in the last 75 years is not quite the reality on the ground. A Bahraini uh, lawyer who sat in a restaurant in downtown Haifa told me uh, that sitting in a restaurant in downtown Haifa taught us so much about coexistence, much more than uh, sitting in a classroom and hearing a lecture. Another Bahraini who visited Israel was complaining that she didn't have enough time to do shopping and to buy uh, original Israeli products. So uh, this is just a small example. There, there, there are plenty of uh, uh, plenty more about people who want to go back to Israel to study, etc., etc. Shows you uh, what peace really, can really uh, look like. Where young people uh, visit, go, study, uh, work, train. Uh, that's what you try to do. That's the, these are the things that I'm really proud about, uh, not just about talking to to, to the um, to the government, but talking to uh, to people 
and making their lives on both sides uh, way better. That's our modus operandi. That's what we try to do. If we are let uh, to do it in peace, when we have uh, diplomatic relationships that allow us to introduce this to each other. One of the prevailing narratives before uh, these horrific events was that the United States was basically dialing down its presence, uh, engagement at least, in the Middle East. And now, of course, today, President Biden is in your country. How would you assess this administration's role so far uh, throughout this crisis? I think that's from the beginning. And uh, I, I came to, uh, to Abu Dhabi days after uh, President Biden was uh, sworn in. Um, so from the outset, we worked very closely with the American embassy, both in Abu Dhabi and uh, in Manama. Uh, here in Manama, um, uh, led by Ambassador Steve Bondi, who is steadfast in his support of the Abraham Accords, him and his team. Uh, we worked very closely, we worked very closely together. Uh, I can only uh, praise the American uh, involvement, uh, dedication to uh, to promote the Abraham Accords in every opportunity that we have, um, and that is uh, done on a daily basis. So I think that the American presence, you know, here in Manama, it's the uh, home base of the uh, Fifth Fleet. Uh, I mean, the, the Fifth Fleet has, has a base, the home base is in Tampa, of course, but uh, the Fifth Fleet has a big uh, base here in Manama. Uh, part of uh, CENTCOM. I think that giving the uh, physical uh, impression and the perception that America, and I think that America does it, uh, that America is here, it has never left, and it's ready to rush uh, to help its, its allies, and we see it now, but we saw it before as well. I think that is uh, what is important for people here to see. It's in support of peace. It's in support of security. And um, certainly uh, it helps to deter the enemies of, uh, of peace and those who try to sabotage uh, what we've been building here in the last few years. Uh, some analysts and indeed many of your crit critics uh, argue that uh, Israel will seek to seize this opportunity to draw the United States into a broader conflagration against Iran, one in which uh, it <laughs> gets the United States to help it degrade, destroy Iran's nuclear capabilities. Um, all that we saw uh, since uh, Saturday the 7th is that none of that was by Israeli design. We were uh, as surprised as everybody else. Um, none of us wanted it. None of us wanted this uh, uh, this war. None of us. Uh, none of us. Uh, nobody in Israel uh, woke up in the morning, um, early morning hours of, of Saturday, and wanted uh, to see what we saw. Uh, so, I will, I think, reject. Uh, any idea of anybody to think that this is a kind of a conspiracy. It's um, unfortunate. We know who's behind it. We know who finances it. We know who trained those guys. We know who encourages them. Uh, it's not that we are, uh, we, we know that they say they're proud of it. So I think this is what we see. And uh, I hope that soon, uh, when we finish uh, what we set to do, read Gaza of Hamas, free uh, the hostages, 
uh, we can uh, we can do what we need to do, and that is to build uh, trust and um, and relations again. Uh, you were ambassador in Turkey, as you mentioned, and uh, as a young diplomat, you were also uh, the spokesperson in the 90s at the Israeli embassy in Ankara uh, at the height of the very close alliance that then existed between Turkey and Israel. Um, ambassador, what is your assessment of Turkey's reaction so far to this crisis? And do you fear that the, you know, detente that we've seen unfolding over the past few months, which saw an exchange of ambassadors again, could unravel as well? Or do you believe that the Erdogan government uh, is perhaps being more cautious this time? Well, you are reminding me of the of the 90s when uh, Israel and Turkey were busy uh, very quickly, uh, building very strong uh, relationships, bonds, I would say very intimate ones. I remember that in the 90s, uh, we said that the relationship between Israel and Turkey uh, were as close as Israel had with the US and, uh, and Germany, as intimate. Uh, and um, I think that that type of relationships uh, brought more stability uh, to the region. I think that uh, if in the beginning uh, people were asking themselves uh, what are the Turks doing with the Israelis, very quickly tend to, you know what, and this is Assad, for instance, actually it's not bad that Jerusalem has Turkey's ears. Um, and and uh, Turkey played a very uh, important role uh, later on. So I think that this is what it was, and I think that this is the importance when, when two such countries forge close relationships and uh, build trust and forge very close economic relationships. Uh, you were there, I was there, and we both remembered the free trade agreement that was signed between Israel and Turkey, and it was, again, updated just recently. Um, uh, tourism and other uh, spheres of, of cooperation, including uh, military and, and, and defense, which I think uh, helped us uh, stabilize a volatile region. So hopefully that can happen uh, in the future as well. Um, I think that my colleague in Ankara was uh, trying to do just that now. A very uh, diplomatic response from uh, the <laughs> ambassador. Uh, my <laughs> final question is, you speak about defeating Hamas, getting Gaza rid of Hamas. Is that actually possible, given your experience in Lebanon, um, the experiences of other countries engaged in urban warfare with uh, these kinds of militant movements? How realistic is this goal of uh, eliminating Hamas? We have to be careful with the with, with words that we use. And I think that um, uh, all the Israeli uh, leaders, from the prime minister, the defense minister, foreign minister, heads of the opposition, I think that everybody today in Israel, from wall to wall, from left to right, understands that without erad eradicating Hamas military capabilities and political influence, we cannot move forward. And this is basically uh, what I'm saying here. Uh, Hamas is also an idea, and I cannot control people's uh, thoughts, but Hamas military capabilities, Hamas ability to derail uh, peace, security, tranquility, calm, 
and to have a political influence and a skin in in in, in the in, in 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 what we try to build in the Middle East is 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 Middle East that will be again deprived of what it's what it deserves. It will be deprive the Palestinians of uh, what uh, they deserve. Uh, and I think that this is what we mean. Ambassador, thank you again for doing this today, and I hope you and your loved ones uh, stay safe and uh, hope to see you in Bahrain, inshallah. Inshallah, and thank you very much, Andrew. And this brings us to the end of another episode of On the Middle East. I hope you found my conversation with Ambassador Naye as illuminating as I did. Do keep tuning in and read our coverage of the latest in the Gaza conflict and much more on www.al-monitor.com. Thank you and goodbye.